0: Alright, well hello everybody, well, welcome to our Bible study, I know we got uh, just a little bit late, sorry, some technical challenges, but we're here. Uh, we're doing Andrew Womack's book, Don't Limit God, we're in our sixth week this week. Uh, we took last week off for Mother's Day, sorry if we missed you uh, last week, but anyway, uh, we're doing Don't Limit God I'm Andrew Womack, we're in chapter 2, uh, which is entitled, "Well, chapter 1 was Wrong Believes, chapter 2 is The Cares of This World. So, uh, again, uh, this is Dave Everett, Sherry Everett, my wife, and we're going to be doing a Bible study right here. Um, you can join us. Uh, Sherry will be putting into the comments below our website. You can feel free to make him any comments below in this uh, live stream, as well as uh, you can contact us any way uh, uh, through our website as well. We have the last five sessions uh, archived on our website. You just go to our website, go to our messages, And if you uh, click on the tab that says "Series Teaching Series," um, excuse me, you can find our 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 last five sessions on on this book. So once we get settled here, uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, Feel free to make any comments below, any prayer requests. Keep the comments pertaining to uh, uh, this Bible study. Uh, If you have additional comments, you can you can contact us on our website. And so anyway. Uh, God bless you guys, and uh, when you're ready, Sherry, let's go ahead. are going to narrate for us a section of the book, and then uh, we'll just get going from there. All right. All right.
1: And if you want to fix the screen. Yeah, I will. Right. Right. Okay. okay. All right. Cares of this world. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Acts 9.10. Most of you probably don't have this verse underlined in your Bible. But the Lord rang my bell through this scripture over 40 years ago and it changed my life. The Lord spoke to me through this verse and said, Andrew, how many times have I called your name and you weren't there? You were doing something else. What would have happened if God had called Ananias and Ananias had been in such a state that the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things were choking the word and he hadn't been able to listen to God. It's possible that God would have raised up someone else to minister to Saul. I'm not sure how it would have played out, but I'm sure we wouldn't be talking about Ananias today. How many of you has has God spoken to and tried to keep you from making a mistake and tried to change your life and tried to do things in your life but you weren't there because you were too busy or you were watching as the stomach turns. Our lifestyles in America are not conducive to knowing God. If we are going to take the limits off God, we are going to have to start spending time with Him. We're going to have to renew our minds to... Sorry, we're going to have to renew our minds. The Word of God is so important. It will focus our attention on the things of God. If we are going to take the limits off God and begin to experience His best in our lives, we are going to have to start unplugging from this world and putting our minds on God and giving Him an opportunity to speak to us in that still, small voice. I consciously take time off and spend time thinking about the Lord. I spend time walking on the trail I made outside my house. I spend time just sitting outside. Looking around and thinking. These things are important. Our lifestyles have become so busy. This limits what God can do in our lives. If we want to be an inspiration to other people, we have to be inspired ourselves. We have to let God speak to us. We can't give to somebody else something we don't have. And most of us don't have God actively speaking in our lives because we are too busy to listen to Him or give Him any time.
0: Wow. Well, So thank you, Sherry, Sherry, uh, for uh, reading that. Again, uh, this is Dave and Sherry Everett. Uh, we're going through Andrew's Womack books, uh, Don't Limit God. We're in Chapter 2, talking about the cares of this world. And Sherry's ner- just narrated for us our, our just, uh, discussion tonight. Uh, feel free to make any comments. Uh, say hello in the comments below where you're from. Uh, that, would be cool. that would be nice. And then, uh, if you have any prayer requests or comments about the Bible study, that would be great you know, Andrew was, uh, uh, just what I got from Andrew and uh, what Sherry read is that, you know, we're, especially here in the West, I don't know where you may be listening to across the world, but we are too busy. Uh, we don't make time for God. We don't make time. We, and, and uh, you know, uh, some people even have a relationship God that God is foreign. And those of us who say we have a relationship with God, you know, um, uh, you know, it, our relationship with God should be supreme in, in, in comparison to our relationship with our spouse, our kids, or anyone else. You know, a lot of people say that the first relationship God made, would, uh, ma- made was between a husband and a wife, was a marriage. And although I partially agree, I actually uh, I also disagree, that that's, marriage is the second relationship God created. The first relationship God created is the relationship between man and God. God wants a relationship with you. And if you want your marriage to succeed, if you want your, 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 your parenting to succeed, if you want your job in life to succeed, your ministry to succeed, then you need to spend time with God. You need to prioritize that. We have to make time. If you don't make time for anything, anything. we all we get busy. Even in this quarantine, we don't get busy doing nothing. You know, we get busy. Uh, we we have to make time for the things that are important to us. You know, some of us will make sure that we don't miss our show. Some of us, I think Sunday nights when American Idol comes on, people will make sure they don't miss that. Uh, people will make sure they don't miss their sports game, although they're not about sports right now. We have to make time for God. We have to make time for our wives. We have to make time for our kids. You know, we were just watching a movie the other night uh, about uh, uh, Christopher Robinson, <laughs> Christopher Robinson, which reminded me, I made a commentary because this movie is a lot like the movie Hook, uh, and then it's also like the, what's the other movie I was thinking of, um, uh, Mary Saving Poppins.
1: Saving Mr. Banks.
0: Saving Mr. Banks, but also uh, I saw it in Mary Poppins too with a father figure, and I'm not picking on fathers, uh, but uh, the father figure um, uh, was so busy he didn't have time for his kids. He didn't have time for his life, and they all suffered. And uh, they had a very demanding job. Each of the fathers and different things, and and so in one, in one sense of the word, it, it was understandable. They didn't have time for their family, but it was also very tragic. And so you know, we can get so busy, even through this lockdown, even through this, uh, we don't have we don't where we don't spend time with God, and and that's what we need to make time with God. We need to prioritize that, and whether that we come up with a schedule or whatever it might be, but. You know, we have to come up with a schedule, and where we need to we need to prioritize our time with God because our life depends on it. Yes. If we can't get prioritize our time with God when things are slow, when things are easy—not that they're always easy—we're going to have an even harder time when things are busy, when things are scarce, and uh, you know, we don't know the way that things are going to go in the world in the next year, or, or a few months, or even a few years, a decade from now, if the Lord should tarry. We need to make sure that we have a relationship with God. And uh, and if we don't have a relationship with God, and we don't prioritize, we are going to limit God. We're going to limit God in our lives. We're going to limit His influence in our life. We're going to limit His direction and, and the revelation that He wants to give to us. We're going We're going to limit God in every area of our lives. Including our marriage, including our jobs, including our own finances, in every which way, if we don't spend time with God, because the cares of this world will choke out the seed, and we're gonna be doing we're gonna be doing this life on our own. We have to spend time with God. If I want God to to lead me in my finances, to lead me in my marriage, to lead me in my jobs and ministries, to lead me in my life and, and, and whatnot, I need to spend time with my Father. I need to spend time with my God. And so we have to prioritize our time with Him. And so, uh, you know, I, I mean, in my marriage, if I don't prioritize my time in my marriage, it's just going to suffer. And any relationship, any friendship, if you don't spend time together, the relationship will fade. The relationship will uh, dissolve. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people through the years, I never planned on the relationship dissolving, but because of space, because of time, because we just drifted, And now the relationship seems to be almost no more, and so I don't want that with God. God's got to be, I got to be in connecting with Him every day. And uh, Jesus did nothing without the Father. Who do we think we can do anything without Him? And so, anyway, anything you want to add?
1: Just a couple of things, and we're not saying TV and sports and and hobbies are bad. We're not saying that at all. But there is a time and place for that that, just like a job, cannot take precedence over time with family and most of all, not with time with God. And the reason we we brought it up as an example is just, I mean, my own life. If I'm doing anything else um, to relax or to keep busy but not time with God, I can feel it uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And you betcha Dave can, because his wife will let the flesh come out and be cranky and things. Mm -hmm. In any sort of counseling we've ever done, um, we've had couples come to us, families come to us, individuals come to us for counseling. And I guarantee you, every single counseling session, we have reminded people, as well as ourselves... That the best thing you can do for your family, for your spouse, for yourself, is spend time with God. You can be the best employee by spending time with God and and allowing God to work through you to be that dedicated employee and bless whatever business, uh, whatever work you have your your hands engaged with. You know, um, it's. It's, it's like going through life without being able to take a sip of water. You're just dry and, and dusty and parched. But you spend that time with God and I guarantee you 100% that your life will go leaps and bounds if you have that time with God. You will be more at peace. Uh, the, the cares of this world and the fears that get you down will um, just go away. You know, there's, there's a, an old song that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful f- face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. A- and that's the truth. You know, we are to seek him with, with all our heart. We will find him. We just spoke about that uh, with someone today. You know, just that time with God, we can't emphasize it enough. You want refreshing? You want peace, you want joy in your life, you spend that time with God and you will be overflowing.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, uh, let's go ahead and read some more, Sherry, if you can. Uh, The title of this section is, God has chosen the Photosynths."
1: You should want to know God more. There's no telling how much I've missed when God tried to speak to me, but I was too busy to hear what he was saying. However, I've also heard a lot because I've been available. There are many of you who are so talented that you depend only upon that talent and that you don't feel the need for God as much. You believe you can get things done on your own because you're motivated and talented. But I feel sorry for you. It's a blessing not to have any great talent because it makes you dependent upon God. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that, which are mighty. 1 Corinthians 1.27 God has not chosen the mighty, the rich, or the powerful. He has chosen the weak things of the world, the things that are despised. It's not because God's against <coughs> people with money, education, talent, or ability. It's just that when people have it all in the natural, they tend to think they can do anything themselves, everything themselves. So they don't depend on God. The people who make a difference are those who don't have a lot because they are turning to God in seeking Him. Therefore He can speak to them. God still speaks to the mighty and the talented, but the vast majority of them don't listen because they aren't as dependent on Him. It's an asset to know that you need God. The way of man is not in himself. Jeremiah 10, 23 You should spend a few days or a weekend fasting and praying and not be distracted by food or anything else and focus your attention on God and ask Him, Is this all you have for my life? What do you have for me? Am I really where I'm supposed to be? Am I on target or am I off course? If you gave God the total freedom and became still to let him speak to you, many of you would be transformed. But most people do not give God that kind of time and stillness or listen to his voice that much. You need to do this on a regular basis. Proverbs 4.26 tells us to ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. You need to think about the path you're on. You need to ponder it. You need to meditate on it and be still. If you do, your path will be established. I spend a lot of time pondering and thinking about what God has done in my life. I spend a lot of time remembering where I have come from and what God has spoken to me over the years. God has done so much for me. I constantly ponder and think about how God changed my life and how much He loves me. If you are going to remove the limits from God and see His will come to pass in your life, you have to commit yourself to seeking God with all of your heart. You need to be still and let Him speak to you. You need to get quiet before God and listen. You might be looking for something more profound than this, but until you start doing these things, there's no point on going on to the next step. We need to be focused on the Lord. We need to spend time with Him. If we don't do that, we will limit what He can do in our lives. God will not force us to do things. He will draw us and woo us and speak to us in a still, small voice. But if we have too much noise around us all of the time, we won't hear His voice. Then we'll wonder why He isn't speaking to us. In John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He didn't say, my sheep can hear my voice. God is speaking to us every minute of every day. Every time we have a choice to make, God is giving us directions. If we're not hearing His voice, it's because we are dull of hearing, not because He is not speaking to us. We are drowning out His voice with other things. We need to change our lifestyles and focus our attention on God in order to take the limits off Him. We don't need to know everything before we step out. We just need to know that God is
0: speaking to us. All right. Well, thank you, Sherry. There's a lot here uh, that I can pick you back on, but uh, uh, you know, it's kind of almost mirrors a lot what I was trying to teach on this morning about we need to seek God, we need to have a relationship with God, and I I feel like in many times a broken record with all this, but it's just so so essential. It's so 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 true. Uh, you know, this this life called Christianity is in one sense it's not automatic. You have to pursue God. You have to seek God. You have to walk with God. You have to abide in Him. Uh, God will do all the work in and through you, but you have to have a relationship with Him. Uh, You have to prioritize with that. There's so much God wants to speak to us. There's so much that God wants to do. And there's things that Andrew said in here that if we will prioritize, and I'm just going to put in my own words, if we will prioritize having a relationship with God and listening to Him, speaking to Him, praying to Him, God will speak things to us that will transform our lives. He can tell us how to budget our money. He can tell us how to manage our time. You know, there's times in school where I used to pray in the Holy Spirit to get the answers on the desk, and I got them. (laughs) You know, I mean, we can, God knows everything. I didn't cheat. I, I just depended on God like I'm going to depend on Him in my life. You know he knows the answers, you know, uh, and I'm not, you know, and I'm not taking taking away from study. I'm not taking away from preparation. I'm talking about classes I did prepare for, but I didn't, I couldn't quite figure out the right answer on the test, and, and so I I was praying for the answers, uh, uh, because I I just need I didn't understand the question, or because uh, both two answers seemed to be right from a certain point of view, and I just was praying for the right answer. Uh, anyway, I'm not. I can piggyback on that. There's a lot of tests I've taken in life and they just they seem tricky. Uh like they weren't really trying to gain my knowledge, they were trying to see if I could, could win trivia pursuit. Yeah, you know, and so uh but anyway I wanna get off that track. You know, we we just need to spend time with God. We need to prioritize that. And uh, uh and um, especially in the world that we're living in and especially as busy as we are, we God wants to speak to us, God wants to lead us. God wants to, to bless our lives and bless our finances and bless our health and bless our relationships and our marriages and everything. But we need to let Him guide us. We need to let Him lead us. We need to let His voice be a voice in our lives. Otherwise, we're trusting us. Otherwise, we're trusting ourselves and everything we do and everything we say and everything we accomplish. Even if we're doing good things, noble things, godly things, things. Uh, uh, ministry things. We need to let, trust God. We're either trusting ourselves or we're trusting someone else, our, including ourselves. I want to trust God. I want to rely on God. I need to rely on God. Uh, I will make a mess of it. I will ruin it. I will mess it all up. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll break it. i I need God to help me run this life and live this life. Uh, you know, even in this quarantine season, I need to tell God, show me what to do, uh, and different things. And uh, We need God in our lives. We need to trust, and we need to rely on Him. Trusting God is not just saying the words, I trust you. You can tell someone you trust them all day long, but are you? Are you relying on them? Are you? De- and he, Andrew was using the words, are we dependent on Him? I'm putting it in my own words. Are we dependent on God in every area of our lives? Or are we dependent on ourselves? Are we trusting ourselves for the wisdom? Are we trusting ourselves that the? Are we even trusting ourselves that we're doing what God told us to do? Uh, there's there's a, there's a couple of different scriptures, but one in particular in in uh, Proverbs chapter three verse seven. Don't be wise in your own eyes. You know we can even doing good things. We can even do ministry things, and yet it wasn't something God told us to do. We can we decided to do it. I want to do what God called me to do. You know, he talks about talents and different things. And sometimes we, depend, we choose what we want to do because that's our talent. And that may very well be so. What we're supposed to do is, is what we're supposed to be doing, following the desires of our heart. Nothing wrong with that. But I also want to do what God calls me to do. And sometimes God can call me to do something that I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability where I have to depend on God. I have to trust God. And sometimes that is what God's called me to do. God called Moses to do something that he said he wasn't capable of doing, uh, of speaking, in public speaking and all of this. You know, whether Moses was just exaggerating being a, being a crybaby about it, or whether he generally didn't have the talent of, of public speaking. And, uh, but uh, he had to depend on God. And, and even if we are doing something that is our talent, something that is our desire, doing the job that we do love, we need to depend on God. Uh, we need the plan of God for the strength, for the ability, for the integrity uh you know if we're trusting ourselves, you know none of us is an island to ourselves we can, We don't trust ourselves. Jeremiah seventeen says, "Curses the man who trusts flesh for his strength. He will be like a shrub in the wilderness, but blessed be the man whose trust is the Lord, whose trust is the Lord." For he will be like a, a tree planted by the waters, and when the heat comes, his leaves will always be green in the year of drought. I'm paraphrasing some of this. But I want to be a blessed man, not a cursed man. A blessed man trusts God. his Trust depends on God. It relying on God. Even if it's something you know how to do. Or, and especially things you don't know how to do. Just because you don't know how to do it, just because you don't even have the resources to do it, doesn't mean that God hasn't called you to do it. Trust God. Rely on God. Uh, Hear God. And if God's called you to do it, then He will come through, but you have to rely on Him. Don't rely on yourselves. Don't rely... I mean, there's a a, a portion, yes, where we are trusting our spouse, we're trusting one another to a certain level, but our ultimate trust is from God. We will follow you as you follow Christ. I'll follow my wife as she follows Christ. I'll follow a pastor as he follows Christ. I'm not trusting man, I'm trusting God in man. God, if you're born again, you're not just man. You're born again, you're born of God. And I can trust God in you. And uh, uh, hopefully I'm making sense, uh, you know. But the title of this section: God has chosen the, the fullest things. God doesn't necessarily choose. Cho- God doesn't always choose the brightest crayon in, in the in, in, in the box or the, the sharpest knife in the drawer. You know, those things that God's called me to do. I'm like, Lord, you, you. I think you missed it. I mean, I'm not, Why are you picking me? I remember I had one teacher in high school, and she said, "I see you as a leader someday," and I'm like. Ugh. With all due respect, I think you got the wrong number. You know, uh, I don't see that. You know, I felt like I was more of an introvert than an extrovert. And I didn't see myself as a leader. I go, if I'm going to be a leader, I need followers. And no one's following me. And and, then I go, I don't even know if I want to follow myself. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, anyway, I don't know where I'm going with all that. You know, God doesn't choose always the brightest crayons in the box. But you are special. God has never made junk. God thought you were special enough to die for you. God thought you were special enough to to, to give his life. He died for you so he could have a relationship with you, so he can guide you and lead you, so you can live this life, an abundant life, an everlasting life, a life, I'm not saying it's always going to be a bed of roses. Jesus said, in this world you'll have many troubles, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We can trust God. We can rely on God. We can go through the darkest storm of our life, the darkest trial of our life, and we trust God. We can come out with blind colors. Why? Because we're relying, we're dependent on God. We limit God when we take the reins and do ourselves. You know, I heard a message from Jeremy Pearsons a few years ago from my Andrew Womack conference in in Phoenix. And Jeremy said, you know, whenever we tell God, I got this, I can do this? That's pride. When we say we got it, and we take the reins and we say, I got this, that's pride. No humility says, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need your insight. I need your wisdom. I need your strength. That's that that's that's humility. God says he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble humility says, Lord, I need you to help. I need your help to live a holy life. I need your help to live an obedient life. I need your your help to have a good marriage. I need your help in parenting. I need your help in my finances. I need your help in my responsibilities and, and whatever it might be. I need your I want to be dependent on God. And you know, it says in Philippians chapter two, verses thirteen and fourteen, for Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. A lot of people put a period where where the, the Bible, or Paul, puts a semicolon or a comma, depending on which translation. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, the will and do of his good pleasure. We have a part to play. We have to yield. We have to trust God. We have to be obedient. But it's Christ in us. It's God in us that is enabling us to be obedient. You can't be obedient without God's help. <laughs> We we can't do nothing with God's help. We need His help to live this life, to live a holy life, to live a noble life, to, be, be, uh, to have a good marriage. We need God's help in every area of our lives. But we have to depend on Him. We have to trust Him. Yes, we have to cooperate with Him. Absolutely. Uh, God didn't make us puppets. God's not going to do it for us. We have to cooperate. We have a part to play. Absolutely. But I'm not trusting me. I'm not trusting man. I'm not trusting me. I will fail every time, but He is faithful, 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 faithful. And I have the Spirit of God that can help me to live a holy life. I even I need His help in this life, and so we limit God when we try to do it. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You know, uh, we we just need to trust God. Anyway, uh, you have anything to share?
1: Just just to piggyback, um, I know. Dave referred to uh, Jeremiah 17. Um, He basically did verses 5 through 8. But I just wanted to piggyback on that. When we do trust God, we flourish.
0: Amen.
1: It's not just we trust God because He's our crutch. And, oh man, I praise God every day that He's my crutch. Because I can't do it in this world on my own. But it, it specifically says... Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is <coughs> in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when he comes. But its leaf will be green. It will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. I want to yield fruit. I want to yield God fruit. I want to be like that tree by that, that river, spreading out its roots and flourishing, and we can do that no matter what what your calling is, when, no matter what your vocation is, no matter where you are in life, what, anywhere. If you put your trust in God, you will flourish and you will be used. You know, Dave's brought out the example of uh, Billy Graham more than once. and. Maybe just me being a woman, but I think about his mom. What was his mom like? Was she a believer? If she was, did she go through life thinking, I'm just a a woman, I'm just a mom, I don't have a part to play? Because she obviously spoke into Billy Graham's life and prepared him to be able to listen to God, and he reached millions. And you can't say that her life wasn't as important as Billy Graham's. She reached everybody he did because of her fruit in his life. Amen. Oh, no. uh, yes, Jeremiah seventeen verses uh, five through six. A five uh, through eight. Uh, five through eight. Sorry, but I also wanted to say also with what Dave's saying, when we rely on God and let Him be the Lord of our our lives, we have a purpose. In a place in this world that cannot be shaken. When, when we lose our purpose for whatever reason, maybe we're not walking with God, or like Dave and I, we went through a, a five year period without jobs and we weren't able to do anything, we weren't able to give financially. We felt like we lost our purpose. We trusted God to get us out and praise God he did. But it was hard not having a purpose. We didn't, we weren't able to use our car because we didn't have the finances to to, to, have, to use the car. We weren't able to do anything. And so we, we felt purposeless and that was hard. And there's been times in my life I feel like I wake up, I go to work, I, I come home, I go to bed. The next day I do the same thing. Then it's paycheck time and I, and I pay my bills and I do the same thing and I felt purposeless again. But when I realized that God has a perfect plan and will for my life to use me for His glory, my life exploded with purpose. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or someone retired, someone young, someone old, wherever you are in life. Even if you're bed bound. God has a purpose for you. And he wants you to flourish.
0: There's so much I I, I could piggyback on all this. You know, know, when you mentioned about flourishing. I think of uh, John chapter 15. Abide in me and let my word abide in you. We cannot flourish. We will not be fruitful. We will not be productive. If we are not abiding in him. We need God. Not just so we're saved and go to heaven. We need God to live this life. We need God to bring heaven on earth. We need God in every area of our life. There is not an area of my life I don't need God. And, uh, you know, I need God in every area of my life. You know, I'm going to get ready to be teaching a new series during next Sunday about the field of the Lord. And some people, that's not a very popular topic, but I believe it's needed. I believe the fear of the Lord is lacking today in the church, in the body of Christ, and whatnot. And and I might be taking a little different angle of some of it, but uh, uh, fear of the Lord has to do with respect and honor towards God. And I want to fear God versus fearing man. I want to respect and honor. Me, the fear of the Lord has a lot to do with trust. Excuse me. But I wrote down another day that I was uh, just kind of pondering what I'm going to be teaching on starting next Sunday. But the fear of God will cause people to live properly. The, the fear of God will cause people to live properly. I'm not just talking about uh, a, a godly moral life, even though that, that is not excluded at one iota. We need to live a godly life. We need to live a moral life. We need to live a holy life. Because uh, uh, without holiness, if we don't live a holy life, people won't see God in us. People won't see Jesus in us. Um, but, not? but we need to live a holy life, absolutely. But we live. But there's only one thing that can make us holy, and that's God. That that's the blood of Jesus. Not only the blood of Jesus can make anything holy. Uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter nine. Without the blood of Jesus, there is nothing. Nothing can be holy. I'm paraphrasing. I you know. But uh, i not. I don't want to get off on that. But the fear of the Lord and uh, and uh, the, the honor of God. I need God. I need trust God. When David came upon the scene of Goliath, he had more fear in the Lord than he had in Goliath. He trusted God. He 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 had more fear of the Lord than he did that lion and that bear. He had the fear of the Lord. He trusted God. He knew his covenant relationship he had with God. You know, there's areas where David fell. Uh, you know, but during those times, he repented. And during those times, he he came back to the Lord. And he, he uh, you know, it was in those seasons that he was called a man out of God's own heart. You know, and anyway, I'm getting on so many t- tangents right now. But we need God. We need to walk in the fear of the Lord. We need to trust God in every area of our lives. Uh, again, going off of Jeremiah 17 and just a, to again confirm that uh, Joanne, that, that, that uh, John, uh, Jeremiah seventeen five through eight, five to six talks about the cursed man. Verses seven through eight talks about the blessed man. I want to be the blessed man. A blessed man trusts God. God. We need to trust God. We need to rely on God in every area of our life. I can't rely on myself. I can't trust myself to be, live holy, to do righteous. I can't trust God to manage my own finances. I, mean, I said that wrong, sorry. I can't trust myself to manage my own finances. I need to trust God to be a good steward of my finances. I need to trust God to be a good husband. Those of you who are fathers, uh, be a good father, good spouse, good, good parent. We need to trust God in our of our alive. Even if you find that you are weak in that area. Maybe you're weak at parenting. Maybe you didn't have a good model as a parent and that now you're parenting, you are struggling. Maybe you're a single mom or a single dad or, or what maybe there's some different situations. Now come on. God can help you. He's your father, he's your helpmate in many ways. Trust him. Depend on him. Allow him to lead you and to guide you uh with everything.
1: And, and just to to go again back on, on what Dave commented on earlier, you know, we all know that Jesus is the Son of God and He is Lord, but He is the best example of He walked with God. He took time every day. He set aside time, even if it was all night, to seek the Father. And then He turned around And did whatever he saw the Father do, whatever he saw the Father say, he was then able to do his purpose in life. He was able to minister to people, have compassion on people, speak into people's lives. But all because he had that relationship with the Father. And then in John 17, which we call Jesus' prayer, he prays that for us. That we would have that relationship with God. That we would have... That oneness with the Father. And, I mean, if Jesus thinks it's important enough to pray that for us, I, I would listen. I would listen very much because, you know, when we listen to the Father, you know, all... This is a odd way of saying it and I, I hope you understand because this is just how my mind went, but basically all bets are off. When you listen to the Father, You can move mountains, you can climb mountains, you can jump over mountains, you can cast them into the sea. I mean, God has so much for us, and He wants to. He's such a good, good Father, and so faithful, and He has good gifts for us. He wants to take care of us. But we can be like a a toddler with our hands on our hips and say, I got this, I got this, no, I got this, and then we'll fall on our face. You know, we can throw all the tantrums we want, but relying on God and being that man that, or woman that trusts in God, we flourish.
0: And I want to be a people that flourish. And as a pastor, as a teacher, my heart for you is that you flourish in every area of your life. And the, 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 the recipe, the, the antidote, the, the, the secret, the key to flourishing life is having a relationship with the Father. That's what Jesus did. You know, Jesus was the Son of God, yes, but he laid that down to become the Son of Man uh, and to to go to the cross. And he had to depend on the Holy Spirit that he got baptized to at his baptism. He had to depend on the Father the same way we do. And so Jesus had to depend on the Father. And I just want to echo what Sherry said. Jesus prayed before going to the cross that we would be one with the Father as he and the Father were one. And that was his prayer for us. And he wants us to be one with him apart from him we can do nothing we can this Christianity life is impossible without a relationship with God it is impossible it's uh, without God we need God uh, we have to cooperate yes uh, we have to uh, yield yes we have to to participate yes absolutely but Without him, we can do nothing. It's like, you know, uh, if I don't plug the lamp into the, the, the socket, it's not going to work. But it also needs a light bulb. It also can't be dysfunctional. It also can't have a shortage in the wiring. Yes, I could have great wiring. I could have the best light bulb on the planet. I could have the, the best, <coughs> best manufactured lamp. But if I don't plug it in, it's no use. It can't do anything. We have been redeemed by our Redeemer. We have been wonderfully made. <coughs> we, have been, we are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. But unless we depend on Him, unless we trust Him with our life, we can't do not, nothing. Actually, we, be, we keep referring to this. Let's go to Jeremiah 17. I keep talking about it. Let's go to it. Um, Jeremiah 17, 5-8. Curses a man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. That's key there too, for he shall not, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when the good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places and the wilderness and the salt land which is not inhabited. Excuse me, I'm going to toggle to the King James real quick, because there's some particular wording I want to piggyback on. Verse seven. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, verse 9, and desperately wicked who can know it. And i am going to stop there for the time being. So uh, God, through Jeremiah, is comparing the cursed man with the blessed man. The cursed man is trusting man, whether that be himself, whether that be other flesh. It's, it's anything but God. He's trusting anything and everything but God. That can be including himself. That man is cursed, according to the scriptures. He's just existing in the parched places. And uh, well, the, the, the blessed man, is, I like how Sherry's painting the picture, if she, the blessed man is flourishing. Even in a year of drought, even in a year of famine, even while everyone else is struggling, this man is flourishing because his trust, his dependence, his reliance is on God. And that's key. You know, um, when I teach this, I like using the King James because the King James, uh, when I teach this, I say, you know, both the cursed man and the blessed man have a blind spot. A blind spot. What's a blind spot? If you're ever driving in a car, you, you come to a blind intersection. Uh, you can't see because there's, a, there's a, a building or a shrub or a tree or, or something, some obstacle blocking your view to seeing if another car is coming from opposing traffic. Another thing is uh, you have a blind spot with your mirrors. And I, it's always been a pet people and someone just d- continues to drive and, and ride in my blind spot. Uh, It makes me nervous when they're they're riding in that blind spot. I can only look if I'm turning to the side, but I can't turn to the side the whole time I'm driving. I gotta keep looking forward. They're in my blind spot, you know, but I can't see through my mirrors. I can only see by turning, uh, but if I'm turning, I'm not looking forward. I don't, uh, we have to do that to drive, but we can't do that constantly while we're driving, but it's a blind spot. But uh, here in in Jeremiah, uh, in the King James Version, in verse six, it says that the good, the, the cursed man, doesn't see the good when it comes. The good is coming to the cursed man and the blessed man, but the the cursed man doesn't see the good when it comes. Why? Because he's not focused on the, God, the Lord. His heart has departed from the Lord. The good is coming to him just as well as it's coming to the blessed man, but he's not focused on it. He's not. He doesn't see it. The, 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 the blessed man also has a blind spot. Verse 8 in the King James says, And he shall not see, it's midway in the verse, in the middle of the verse it says, He shall not see when the heat cometh." The heat, the drought, the, the, the heat wave is coming to the blessed man and the cursed man. There's a famine, there's a drought. Both of them can be affected by the drought. But he doesn't see when the heat comes. Why? Because he's not dependent on the heat. He's not dependent on the climate. He's dependent on God. That's huge, that's huge. We're in we're in a crisis in our world with this coronavirus. Some people are on furlough. Some people have lost their jobs. Some people have diseases. Some people there's other things going on. Some people and 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 in these end times, things are going to even get worse. Paul prophesied it. Jesus prophesied it. Peter, James, uh, all all these apostles prophesied that in the end times perilous times were going to come. But we have to trust God. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to focus on Jesus. Because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. We we can't have faith. We can't trust God. He's the author of it. But he's also the finisher of it. We have to trust God. And it, and. This blessed man doesn't see the heat when it's come. He's not focused on the climate. He's not focused on the drought. I don't feel like he's he's not doing his part. But his trust is God. He's spreading out his roots by the river, the spirit of God, the nature of God, the presence of God. And and her leaves is always green, even in the year of drought. He doesn't. He's not even careful in the year of drought. I'm not saying he's being slothful. I'm not saying he's not being uh, uh, wise. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Trusting God is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing God, not fearing, I don't have any fear of this coronavirus. I fear the Lord. I know that He is my God. He can can protect me. He can provide for me. He can sustain me. And He can, by His stripes, He is healed. I refuse to get sick. I refuse to participate in the coronavirus. I'm not going to get sick. I haven't been sick since 2009, and I'm not going to start now. Christ has paid for my healing. I believe I can walk in divine health, because He is my healer, and He is my righteousness. But even if I do get sick, even if I did get something, I'm going to rebuke it, and I'm going to come against it in the name of Jesus, because by His stripes I am healed. Uh, my finances. God is my God, shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He is my provider. But as I talk about healing, as I talk about provision, I'm not seeking the healing. I'm seeking the healer. I'm not seeking the provision. I'm seeking the provider. I'm not seeking the wisdom. I'm seeking the God of all wisdom. I'm not seeking salvation per se. I'm seeking the savior. He's, a, he's, the, he's the jewel. He's my cornerstone. He's my life. I depended on him, not me. And, I, you know, we have ministered to so many people. They get their healing. They get their provision. They get their prayer answered. And then we never see them again. You know, there's so many people that are pursuing out their things. They're pursuing out their, their needs. And, but they're not pursuing out their God. We need God. We need a <coughs> relationship with God. Not so we can just receive a healing, not just so we can receive a miracle, and we all need <coughs> we all need those from time to time, but so we can walk in divine health, so we can walk in divine blessing, so that we can be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. I be, I can't, I'm limited in how I can bless you if I'm sick all the time. I'm limited in how I can bless you if I'm poor all the time. I'm limited if I'm to bless you if I'm focused on me and my needs all the time. If I'm, but if I'm blessed, I can be a blessing to you. I limit God when I'm trusting me, when I'm focused on the storm, when I'm focused on the coronavirus. When I focus on what's going on in the world, I'm not saying we need to be totally ignorant, but I'm not dominated. I don't. I'm not consumed with the the things going on in the world. I. I pay attention once in a while, and I try to balance that, and I try to actually be honest with you, I pay very little attention to what's going on in the world. I get the headlines, I know the gist of what's going on, but I'm going to focus my attention on God. I'm going to focus my attention on my Savior, on my Father, and He's going to lead me in what direction I need to do. He's going to direct me in what I need to do. I'm not going to focus on the heat. I'm not going to focus on the wickedness that's in this world. I'm going to focus on the God of my salvation. I'm not going to be ignorant of these things and I'm going to go and I'm going to do what God calls me to do because I'm dependent on him, even if it means my life. So be it. I will do what God calls me to do because I'm not living my life for myself. I'm living my life for him. And, uh, and, he can pre- and just like he protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like he protected Daniel, but he- and they said, if God, God can protect us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. I'm gonna if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die trusting God. But I, I, I don't believe I'm gonna die. I believe I'm gonna trust God. I'm not gonna be doing something foolish. I'm not gonna to try to do something disrespectful like with the coronavirus a mass and social distancing. I'm not talking about that. I just not, I'm not afraid of this disease. I have a fear of the Lord. I've I reverence him. I honor him, I trust him. Well, I hopefully I'm making sense tonight. I don't even know how I got off on all of this, but uh, uh, anyway. I just want to trust him so I can flourish. So I can cease I, I shall not cease from yielding fruit. I want there to be fruit of my life, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. I want kindness to come out of my life in the good and in the bad seasons. I want goodness to come out of my life in the good and bad seasons. I want joy to come out of my life in the good and bad seasons. I, no matter what the season's like, no matter what the climate's like, I want self-control, temperance, faithfulness. I want all the fruits of the Spirit, all the fruit of God, all the nature of God to be evident in my life, not just when I'm feeling good, not just when everything's going smooth, but even in the, in the hard times. I, and I can't do that. If I'm not trusting God, but He says He will keep in perfect peace he who's trusting Him, because he uh, he who's
1: mind, stays
0: mind on is him. stayed upon Him because He trusts in Him. I need to keep my mind stayed on Him. I you know it's stayed on Him. I'm abiding in Him. I'm not just camping out. I'm not just visiting. I'm not just going for a drive by. I am I'm, I'm abiding in Him. I'm keeping my mind stayed on Him. I can't keep my mind stayed on Him and keep my mind. Stayed Stayed on the cares of the world. I can't keep my mind stayed on him and keep my mind focused on the bread of sorrows. I can't keep my mind stayed on him and watch the news 24 7. That is impossible. The world, the news, the world is not my diet. He is the bread of life. He is my man that I came from heaven. He is what I need. I need to spend more time. I'm not saying I won't listen to some things, but most of the news is not even news anymore. It's pathetic. It's, it's just evil, most of it. Uh, and so I, I can't listen to most of it. Most of it's not even news. Most of it's false. And I'm not gonna, I'm getting off that bandwagon. But anyway, it's just uh, uh, I need to listen to God. He knows what's going on. He knows the truth. I can get every news I need from Him if I have a relationship from Him. That, that, he knows enough. I mean, he told, he told King Saul where his donkeys were. He knows how to lead us. None of this caught him by surprise. None of this caught him by surprise. And, and anyway, I don't have to limit God. Even in this season of quarantine, even in all this, I can trust God. I can. He's faithful, 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 faithful. And I... And as much as I want to be, I know I have not been faithful every time. I know there's many people I love, my family, my parents, my enemies, but not everyone has been faithful. And that's not a put down. It's just I I have to trust God in comparison to God. God's been faithful and we have been faithless. And I hope I'm painting the right picture. uh, I have awesome parents. I have an awesome wife. They're the most faithful people I know. But at the same point in time, man will fail us. People we love will fail us from time to time. Uh, I have failed people miserably at times, even though that was never my intention. Uh, you know, I, I, we, people will fail us, but God will never fail us. We'll fail ourselves. How many of you have had an argument? How many of you have been, ever been disappointed in yourself? And you kicked yourselves in the pants over and over again because of something you did or didn't do. We'll fail ourselves, but God will never fail us. And even if we made a mess... God can restore. He can rebuild the ruins. And, and when I read the word of God, He always restores double. He always restores double. He says in Isaiah 61, Instead of shame you shall have double honor. God restores and He when He restores, He restores double. I don't care how much of a mess you made. God restores double. We have an awesome God, but we have to trust Him. We have to rely on Him, and in that trusting Him, yes, we obey Him. But in that, ob- if if I obey Him, trusting myself, what did I really gain? I have to obey Him, trusting Him, in me, for I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but but the life I live, I live by the faith of God and the love of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I think I chopped it up a little bit. But I have to realize that the life I live, I live by the faith of God. I live by God, Christ in me. But if I'm being obedient, if I'm doing anything, I I can't do it trusting me. That's wrong. I obey God trusting him in me to help me do it. Uh, and there's so much I can elaborate on that. Uh, go ahead. I, I feel like i got to be quiet for a minute. I don't know.
1: Uh, the verse about restoring double was um, Isaiah sixty one. Um, I'll have to, uh, to find the exact verses and I'll type it in. But but that was the verse that that Dave was was referring to. Uh, but they, I, I don't know if I have anything else. Uh, I was going to speak on peace, but Dave spoke on peace, so that was obviously from the Holy Spirit. So um, yeah, I don't even I'll just talk about that I'll either. just say Amen. <laughs>
0: When we finish the chapter, we could start the next one, or we could, uh, anything else you have to share? Uh, uh, I know there's been a lot of comments, I just haven't been able to pay attention to all of it. I just got on the roll there, and I, am not trying to, uh, ignore anybody. I will make sure I listen to them and read them all. But, uh, I, I, there's
1: at least one question. Okay. Um, but, so you'll have to go back, uh, okay. obviously and listen to that. Um... Yeah, I'll just piggyback, I think, on the, the piece that Dave spoke about because that was resounding in me. As much as we've talked about purpose, as much as we've talked about um, abiding in the Lord and in Jeremiah 17, that, that 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 tree spreading out its roots, you know, there's something about trees that even in the drought their roots go down so deep that they will still find water and be able to flourish. And you know, when we have our trust in the Lord, we will have that 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 flourishing, that that greenness, that bearing fruit. But but to me in my life, as much as I love flourishing in the Lord, there's nothing like it as much as I love the the bearing fruit because if I didn't that would be really sad but the main thing that is the best ever of trusting the Lord and having that relationship is that peace you know it, it talks about that tree in Jeremiah 17 that does not fear when when heat comes and it won't be anxious in the year of drought you know when I'm Putting uh, my trust in the Lord and seeking Him first, and that verse that Dave quoted about my mind being stayed on the Lord, it doesn't matter what my outside circumstances or the world um, ha- has to say about anything. W- when I have my roots planted in the Lord, when I'm abiding in the vine, that peace passes all understanding. That, that peace triumphs over the fear and the anxiousness and anything that comes our way and there's nothing like the peace of God and I just encourage you if you're feeling anxious if you're dealing in, in fear if, if there's anything going on and you know we're all going through something there's some things that we know people are going through that are just horrid but the peace of God is sustaining people through all this. You know, in the natural, you might say, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But when you're like that tree planted by the water and trusting in God, that, that peace of God gets you through it. And you're not, um, you're not focusing on the storm and on, on the waves. You're, you're flourishing in God and he will make a way in the wilderness for you. He will make a way out of whatever it is. There's another verse that talks about even through the fire or the flood that that God gets us through that. And I'll look that up so we can put that in there for you as well. Uh, But that's my takeaway in all of this. If I was to say my highlight, my main thing that I just am so big on is the peace of God.
0: I uh, great appreciate it, awesome, very awesome. Um, I, I did see one question here, I don't know if there's more, but uh, oneness with God, wow, so so humbling. Do you think we are afraid of this concept because we depend on ourselves so much? And I, I, I would agree with that, I would agree that uh, we are afraid of this oneness, I think it also too, because we don't understand it, you know, I think a lot of times what well, we don't understand we're afraid of, you know, um. You know, uh, I just know sometimes when we don't understand something, that can be a very paralytic that can be a very fear, can be a very paralytic, and so yes, we are afraid of it, you know some of us too, and because we don't understand oneness, you know, maybe we have had a bad uh experience as a child growing up, we've been abused, or maybe we didn't have a good marriage. But we never had good relationships or good whatever. So we don't understand one is uh, you know we in ministry, as pastoring, we have met a lot of people that don't even understand the concept of a relationship with God. They've never understood that. They never even heard that concept before. In many ways, it's sad, but uh, you know, it just uh, you know, because of that, and because of their maybe they had a bad parent or bad parents, or maybe they had a bad spouse. We know some people who have been abused by parents and spouses, both. You know, a relationship with anybody is actually fearful. Uh, and so, yes, I think I think so. And, and yes, and I think there's a second part of that question because we depend on ourselves so much. Yes. And like you know, we depend on ourselves so much and there's a lot of reasons why we even do that. Because I think sometimes we have a fear of trusting anybody. You know, uh, I'll, I'll just share a little bit too of us, you know, and I'm not going to go specifics right now. But we have had some issues in the in the past, Sherry and I, of trusting some other people. We've had people betray us. We've had people slander us. we had people do some merry, mean, mean, mean things to us. And because of that, we had a hard time trusting people. We had a hard time trusting others. Even even people that we didn't think that would ever do anything wrong to us. Uh, sometimes we've had a trust issue, and we've had to guard our hearts against that. And uh, sometimes it, it even affected us trusting one another and trusting uh, other family and friends and trusting uh, uh sometimes even trusting God because we were hurt so much by other people and so uh but God had to heal that God had to restore that and uh and so yes I you know oneness with God I think you know that that is a, a concept we don't hear a lot but we are, are one with him as he is with us he's in us uh it, it says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 30 we're one flesh with him uh you know um uh, Paul is talking about in uh, Ephesians chapter five. He he's, he makes a comment. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about Christ and His church. That we would be one with Him, just as a spouse, a, a husband and a wife are to be one. And he says he's not even talking about marriage. He's talking about the church, in Christ and His church. We're supposed to be one with Him. And in, in that passage, when Paul's talking about marriage, he's talking about about this. He's talking about how He, our groom. Christ has sanctified and cleansed us and presented us to himself. He did the work. We have to participate, but he did the cleansing. He did the sanctifying. He did the work. But we have to trust what he did, and we have to now walk in what he's done. Um, but we have, to, we have to have this oneness with God. And uh, anyway, there's it's such a deep concept of oneness with God. It's very humbling. But you know what? That's the safest place you can ever be. That is the only place you're really gonna ever flourish is having oneness with God. Uh, outside of oneness with God, you're gonna be doing everything on your own strength and your own wisdom and your own capability, and we will we will come short, but He won't. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's like you know me compared to Michael Jordan. I just can't re I I I try to hit, reach and jump and get that hoop. Uh, uh, and I can't do it I can come short i'm uh, I mean I'm sad compared to Michael Jordan and, and jumping to shoot to make a slam dunk on a, in a basketball. I just can't do it and maybe that's a bad example because some of you are in sports maybe some of you don't even know who Michael Jordan is you know but I just you know there's some things I just I, I, I can't come in comparison to uh, but he can and I'm not alone. he didn't leave us as orphans. he gave us his holy spirit. He, we have of His fullness we have received in grace for grace. He, he's, we are full with the fullness of God. Uh, God, and the same power to raise Christ from the dead is on the life and inside of us, and we can be one with this one, this awesome, merciful, powerful, saving, all-creating, all-sufficient God. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than He ever. You know, go, go with me real quick, and we're kind of wrapping this up here pretty soon. Now go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, I'll pick it up in verse 19. Ephesians 3, 19. And he says, To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And actually I want to toggle back to the New King James. where it said, I want to read verse nine, uh, 20 again. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, and there's a lot here, I don't have time to teach on all of this, but it says, Paul is pray- Paul's praying a prayer here. It starts in verse 14. He's praying a prayer here, and he's praying that we would know this love of Christ. This love, he, he prays that we would know this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The love of Christ surpasses the, any knowledge that we could have of him. It's, it surpasses. I mean, the more you, try, you think you know how much God loves you, the more you don't even know it yet. But praise God for what you do know. Don't 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 get don't get all disgruntled about what you don't know. Praise God for what you do know. And but the the, the no, he prays that we would know that we would and this word know it's gnosco. and uh, it's the same word that, that uh, uh, um, Mary used, which says, "How can this be? Since I have never, never known a man." It's talking about intimacy. It's talking about experience. God wants us to. Experience and know and be intimate with the love of Christ. <coughs> which surpasses knowledge. And this this word here is epic enough so. And it's talking about intellectual knowledge and whatnot. We need to experience we need to experience God's love more than we need the the, the, the intellectual. We need the intellectual knowledge. We need to know God. My people perish for the lack of knowledge. We need knowledge. He prayed, in, he prayed in chapter 1 that we would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He said, and Peter says it this way, that we have received all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of him. Grace and peace be multiplied to us in the knowledge of him. <coughs> Excuse me, we need knowledge. But this is really where I want to get to. We need to know the love of Christ <coughs> so that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. I mean, I don't know about you, but whenever I see this phrase, the fullness of God, how big's God? God has filled you with His fullness, not just with a part of Him, not just with a section of Him, not just with a a drip of Him. He's filled you with His fullness, and He wants you to experience this. He wants you to experience the fullness of God. If you have the healer, you have healing. If you have the Savior, you have salvation. If you have the God of all wisdom, you have wisdom. Whatever you need, when you need it, you have the fullness of God. Everything God is, everything He is, He has filled you with His fullness. The Amplified says that He has filled you to the overflowing with God Himself. And in that context, He says, Now to Him who is able... You'll do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to His power that works in us. What power? Well, it's the same power He talked about in chapter 1, the same t- power to raise Christ from the dead, but it's also the, sa- the, 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 it's also the power um, uh, that He just mentioned, uh, of the fullness of God. If we have the fullness of God... Are we still on? Yes, sir. If, 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 we, if, if, we, have the, if we have the fullness of God... You can't get any more power than that. And he is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine according to his power. And I'm trying to tie this into uh, this question from Joanne about the oneness of God and are we afraid of God. When you, ha- when you are one with God, when you have the fullness of God and you are one with the fullness of God, we can do exploits. There's nothing we can do. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine. But a lot of us are afraid of this relationship with God. And I think a lot of us are afraid of this relationship with God because we're afraid that every time we have a relationship with God, He's going to point out everything that's wrong with us. I know I did many times as a child and as a young person. I was afraid of God and not afraid of the fear of the Lord and the reverence for God. I was afraid of God. And I guess granted I was doing some things I shouldn't do, and there's a reason for that. But and I'm not trying to take away from that. But at the same point in time, it's his goodness that left me to repentance. And I believe I believe there's there's a yes, all scripture is powerful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness. There's a time to be reproved. There's a time to be disciplined. But discipline, the word discipline in Hebrews chapter 12 is if you if you study that word in the Greek, it means child training. You don't abuse your child to teach him. You will discipline him. You will just you will discipline him well. And actually, Hebrews chapter twelve is it takes a, a quote from Proverbs chapter three, and Proverbs chapter three, the Proverbs uh, Solomon is talking about mercy. I believe God disciplines us with His mercy, with His grace, with His goodness. Yes, there's times that we need that rod. Yes, there are times we need that, that, that rod the, 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 to, to, to discipline us. But we need to know His love. We need to know His grace. And you know what changed my life? When I had addictions, when I was walking in sin, it wasn't, it wasn't the pointing finger. It was His goodness. It was His mercy. His grace that taught me to deny ungodliness. It was His, it was His love and His mercy. That taught me, I don't have to live this way anymore. And when he was good, I cleaved to God. I didn't run from him. I cleaved to him. And he came in and he changed my life. And he changed my desires. And he, cha- he allowed me to obey him. Otherwise I was running from him. Otherwise I was depressed and discouraged and, and helpless. Uh, but we need to be one with God. So that he in us can change and transform our lives from the inside out, there's so much I can elaborate on, Sherry you have something, Sherry brought a, 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 a bowl here and, and uh, uh, some water, I think she, I don't know if she wants to wash feet or she wants me to illustrate something.
1: Um, I'm sorry if I'm a little distracted, yes I did want Dave to do an illustration, okay. um, but I was just checking, uh, on my computer we lost the Bible study, but I think on the iPad it looks like we're still going. So we're gonna do it anyways, but just to piggyback on everything that Dave's been been saying, um, you know, they, the the fullness of God, especially, you know, um, and just that 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 relationship with God that we've been been talking about, you know, there there's so much to that fullness of God, and um, hopefully. You know, I'm going to get fade out of it so I can be on the other side of the camera in case I need to move it so that everyone can see the whole il- illustration. But I think Dave knows where I was going yeah. Yeah. with this, so um, please be blessed.
0: Okay, so this is an illustration I did a while back, and I've done it many times, but uh, I'm doing it for you guys on the camera. So, uh, so hopefully you can understand my illustration. This bowl represents my circle of influence, whatever that might be, my church, my family. Uh, people who know me, the world I live in. This cup, this beaker represents me, my life, my heart. And this, uh, this, this, this picture of water represents the Holy Spirit, God. I did this illustration one time and I emptied out the picture and someone said, you empty God. Well, we can't empty God. If I did this illustration correctly, I would have a hose with an endless flow. Okay? You can't empty God out. <clears throat> but I don't know about you, but sometimes I go in my life and I just feel empty. You ever feel empty? You no, know, mm-hmm. I just feel empty. Sometimes I might have a Bible study, might go to church, I have a Bible study like we are right now, and I feel empty. But I get filled up. I go to church, have Bible study, have worship, spend time with God, and I feel fresh, refreshed again. But then I go throughout the week. Tomorrow's Monday. We start going about the week and we spend time with family and friends and we just do the, the cares of this world. And before we know, we're, and we're trying to bless people, we're trying to <coughs> to minister to people out of, the over, out of what God poured into us on Sunday or whatever in our Bible study. But before the day's over, we just feel empty again. We just feel drained. And, I, and God taught me this. He says, I don't want you just to get filled up on Sunday from Bible study to Bible study. Praise God for that. But he says, I want you to park underneath the faucet of my presence. And that, instead, he says, instead of you feeling emptied and drained, emptied and drained, Drain. I want you to, to park underneath my presence, and as I pour my spirit, my word in, in you, you will fill my presence, and out of the overflow, I will flow in you, and through you, and bless the world around you, where not only you are getting filled, but people around you, and you are constantly being filled, because you are constantly abiding in my presence, you are constantly abiding in my, my oneness. You are constantly abiding in me and I in you is flowing in you and all the other impurities in your life, all the wrong stuff, all the depression, all the sin is being washed out by the washing of my word and washing of my presence, walking in my spirit and you you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh and you will be continually filled because I'm going to continue to fill you but out of the overflow in you and through you, I'm going to minister to your world. That make, hopefully that makes sense. And that's the picture we need to do. We need to park under his presence. We're busy. I get that. And as we get back to work, we're going to get busier again. But we can still keep our minds stayed on him. But we need, there's something Andrew said in this Bible study on Don't Let Me God. We need, some of us need to change our lifestyle. We need to change our lifestyle and practice the presence of God. We need to spend time with God. And we need to park our, our minds and our hearts underneath his presence. We need to guard our hearts with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. So hopefully this has blessed to you tonight. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm coughing because I've been speaking so much. You know, I, ran, I, I ran dry in my own water <laughs> cap, okay? Uh, but anyway, God bless you guys. Uh, I'll get back to some of these comments as soon as I can. And uh, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We love you, we bless you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye.